0: I'm Joshua from Ask the Child Whisper, and I am here to offer you some parenting help that is real life for real life kids. Whether you have a mellow kid or super spicy, I'm the coach for you. Hello everyone, how are all of you today? Ready for a story about the boy who would run and hide under the tables anytime there was a loud sound? Here you go. Why it's important to hear this story? Because your kid may not be the one going under the table but your kid is in the room watching someone run under the table so both parties need to be coached so this little boy was 5 years old and whenever whenever a clipboard fell out of someone's hands and hit that linoleum or fancy tile i don't know what it was um he would panic i mean a blink of an eye, he would hurl himself underneath a table and start quivering every single time. Anytime there was a loud object that fell, he was under a table. Um, And it was so frequent that initially all the kids noticed and would hide with him or be stare at him the whole time trying to figure out why is he under the table but none of us are under the table then there was a phase where the kids would say Joshua he's under the table he's under the table like don't you see this is happening again and then it shifted into we're gonna pretend we don't see that he has rushed under the table and is shaking for his dear life right so there was all these waves of acknowledgement What I know to be true is that when there is something unusual, right, there is an unexpected response by a child, typically what happens, it becomes the elephant in the room. No one really talks about it. They talk about helping him. Uh, They talk about, don't worry, you keep playing. I'll go over and see what I can do. So there's, those are what I call like the lovely band-aids. But inherently what happens is it becomes something that this one kid does that seems weird or awkward or silly or dumb, depending on how a kid is processing it. And it becomes something between an adult, usually one of the teachers, maybe not all, one becomes a go-to and it becomes this thing. And then everyone knows when something drops, he's going to fly under the table. And what happens in my experience is I notice that when I visit schools and I meet with parents is that every everyone becomes satisfied with, well, the kids will move on and he will be under the table until we teach him not to be under the table. And that isn't actually the end of the goal. Like that isn't the goal. That isn't the end of all this process. But everyone somehow believes that that is good, that someone's under there with him. And eventually he's going to stop. So I am of the mind frame that, no, it, it requires the village. It requires other peers to understand what's happening so that there's more eyes on it. There's more connection and empathy with him. But also that he starts to feel less alone, right? That he isn't the only person sensing this threat and everyone else is clueless about it. So yeah, so he would fly under the table and it would take a while for me to get him out. And in order for me to get him out, I should stop and break that down. It meant I also hear the sound. I start to remember he is going to react this way every time. So I start to teach myself not to be surprised by it, but to expect it to happen. Um, And the faster I was about, Oh, that's right. Under the table. Then it became also my go-to that I knew how quickly and how easily to get to the table. Right? So the goal was for my getting to the table to be as graceful as possible and as calm as possible. Right? So his body is telling him danger, danger, danger. So my body has to mirror, Oh, a surprise. Yet I'm calm. A loud bang. Yet I'm calm. Oh, a crash. And yet I can figure out what to do about this slowly with calm, right? So I'm mirroring to him that my body has taken in the information differently than his. Next is I go under the table with him instead of asking him to come out. Because if you're terrified and cowering in a corner, what makes you think you're just going to instantly, oh, Joshua, you said my name? Sure, I'll walk over to you. Like, no, everything about his body is saying, protect yourself, defend yourself. So me sitting next to him or as close as possible to him signified, I'm not rushing you out. I'm just here. We're going to do this part together. So my goal is not to drag you out. So you don't have to fight that or fear that. It's just, I'm creating connection so I can begin, say, coaching him forward. Um, the next element was when I would see him, I would also touch him, right? So, as I'm crawling on the table, I would touch his foot or I would touch his arm. So, in case he couldn't hear me because his brain was going wild with, you know, worst case scenarios and overwhelm, he could feel that I was there, even if he could not take me in, right? Verbally or visually. So I never assume which part of the body I have access to. I assume I have very little access to this child, even though I'm very close to them, right? So it's almost double layered communication. I speak and I touch, I speak and I touch. Um, and then we would sit under there and I'd say, how was it? Was it loud, medium or soft, right? So I'm trying to understand how is his, how is he taking in this sound every time? Is there a difference? Is it coming in exactly the same? Loud, loud, loud. Or or is there some type of variation? I'm trying to figure out, are we making progress with processing these surprise sounds or not? So the next part of it, of course, I'm sitting there and I'm explaining to him what object I believe dropped and in which particular way it landed, right? A lot of people miss all those details. Well, if a kid, particularly if they're smart really high IQ, if they're a worrier, um, if they're a nerd, they like a lot of data, uh, if they're high IQ, if they're on the spectrum, they are relying on many more details than a typical kid would. So the more detail you can give them, then they can picture it. If they can picture it, then they can begin to calm themselves. It makes more sense. So I don't talk about Are you scared? I'm not leaning into emotion. I'm leaning into data talk because data talk brings them more comfort in that moment. Talking about emotion, especially if you pick the wrong word, you say you're really worried and this kid is like, no, I'm scared. If you're saying, oh, I'm angry. This kid is petrified. Uh, If you're like, oh, you didn't like that. No, I'm highly disturbed and disappointed, right? Right. Then it becomes, you're not connecting with me. You don't get me. And so they don't lean into the support you're trying to provide. So it's data, not emotion. That's the vocabulary that I'm leaning into. So that's a little tidbit on that. My bigger point of this podcast is not so much to walk you through what I would say to him. It's how I created buy-in from the rest of the class that this wasn't a him and Joshua dance or him and the other teachers dance like it wasn't that it was we're all in it together so if one member of our group is startled or is misreading certain sounds then it's not up to him to wait hope and wish for a teacher to get to him if there are peers next to him so one day when he was absent uh we had a meeting time and I said oh I'm, I, I apologize. I forgot to give you guys this information. You've all noticed it. I just forgot to give you this information. You know, when things crash that someone in our room usually gets really scared and hides under a table, um, and the kids were like, oh, oh yes, yes. Yes. Then, of course, the floodgates open. He did it on this day. Oh, he almost ran over my foot. Yeah, he knocked me over. Oh, yeah, he knocked the tower down running to get it right. So now everyone's like, yes, I have big feelings. I have observations about it. I have my own opinion. All this comes out and I'm like, right. So all of us have seen it. Have any of you imagined maybe what he's thinking or what he's feeling like? So now I'm telling people we're not tattletaling or complaining. Now we are in his shoes. Let's work on perspective taking. What might get you so worked up that you run for cover under a table, right? So now that's a different way of taking in some other child's experience, right? And it's not alien to them. Oh, they also have moments where they feel that, but they don't do it, right? So then I related back to when the fire alarm goes off, or when a clipboard falls, what do you guys think? What do you guys feel? So they start to tell me, oh, I jump. It's so loud. Oh, I cover my ears. Oh, I, I just get so nervous. I wish it would, it would stop ringing, right? So now people are telling me what their responses are at this point in time. And then now I can tell them, right, his brain is telling him, danger. His brain is telling him danger. Keep yourself safe. Get away from that. And so isn't it interesting that all of you hear and feel different things, but you react, you have worked on your reactions. Then I remind the whole group what they used to do when they were younger, because I moved up with my kids at that school. So I knew them at two. I knew them at three. I knew them at four. And of course I know them at five. Right. So I could be the historian and say, I remember crying like a collective group of kids crying when the alarm would go off. And we would say, remember, it's just a fire drill. And so I'm keeping them alive in their memories, right. Reminding them that you used to have a different response that read to you as danger keep yourself safe right help me I can't survive this and how you've matured you've taught your brain to read that surprise and therefore it has shifted your response so I'm reminding them they have gone through phases of how they manage and respond to surprises and loud noises and that he is at the beginning of the journey instantly everyone's like oh Oh, I'm like, right. The tricky thing is you don't remember. And I don't even remember how many times it took hearing that sound for my brain to finally say, oh, right. Not an emergency. Scary, but not an emergency. I don't need to run. I don't need to cry. I can do this. I can hold the teacher's hand. I can hug a friend. I can maybe my eyes will water. Oh, I cover my ears, right? It's, I don't know. What number was it? How many times did it have to happen for your brain to realize it wasn't an emergency? So here we are, here we are with him. He's new to our classroom. He's never heard these sounds in this classroom with this group of people, with these children and these teachers. So he's trying to figure out how and what to do when he hears the sound. So now, you know, so if you see him run and he goes under the table now you know you can sit under the table with him and you can talk with him about what he thinks is happening and you can help him come out when he's ready. If you think he's starting to get nervous or you think something might fall, maybe you can hold his hand and say, I think that might fall. So you're telling him in advance where to look and to be ready for the sound. You, if you don't want to do those parts, you can do the after part. Oh! you're back again. That was scary for all of us. Do you want to start playing with the lions again? So it's really important for children and other adults, if this is all very new and foreign to you, to have their talking points. If someone is brave enough or confident enough or like, I can do this, maybe they help proactively. Something is about to happen. Maybe someone feels more skilled and I can help him as soon as he's under the table. Like, I understand that process. Or maybe someone's like, I can't do any of that. It seems too complicated, but I can invite him back to play. Or I can celebrate that he's back next to us. So there's so many parts that different people can play, especially that it's a lot of peers that can do this coaching, right? So peer-to-peer coaching breeds this ability to read other people's processes. And they're not good or bad. They're not silly. They're not dumb. They're not babyish. It's like, oh, that's how I'm taking in information. And I haven't figured out what to do with it. Something that's a little bit more useful than cowering. Cowering helps, but then I lose my place in line or I drop my lion because I'm running panicking, right? So it's really important to think about All those kids that maybe you see having really unusual reactions that their brain has not learned to, to, you know, drop that into a different folder other than 911. So now you know what to say. Now you know what to do. um, And now you know that it is really important to speak to the elephant in the room in a really kind, matter of fact way, because adults can't do all the coaching. Excuse me, when we do all the coaching, it creates too much tension. it creates too much fear that only an adult gets it or that maybe it won't it won't change. So lean into it. listen to this again, please share it with whomever it is that you feel will help or encourage them to try a different strategy. Thanks again for lending me your ears. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. And if you're interested and you're like, you know what, I would really benefit from a private consult, please reach out, info at AskTheChildWhisperer.com or send me a DM on IG at AskTheChildWhisperer. Have a great rest of the day.